this morning, I really was. I was, I was thinking uh, in the, I can't get this thought out of my mind. I was like, it's so easy to turn a, a, a thing like this into, uh, we come kind of with the posture of, let's see if I get inspired today. You know, like, let's just see. Maybe you don't, maybe it's just me, but you come to church going like, we'll see if today's a single, a double, a triple, a home run, we'll, we'll figure out how it goes. But I'm like, man, the, the people of God, like our posture when we come into a space like this kind of determines the outcome in some ways, at least partially. Like if we come in going, God, I'm here for you. I'm here to learn. I'm here. I will, I will search for little nuggets to take home and, and to put into practice. Like we'll find it. I believe that. Like God's promise, hey, seek me and you'll find. I think that's really true here. And so if you're here and, and like you know God, I just wanna encourage you right now to like prepare your heart. Lean in today. Like God, I'm looking for it. When I hear you speak, I'm gonna obey. Like will you just teach me today? All right, all right, so I'm parched today. Sorry if I keep drinking water. Um, all right, so prodigal son, I wanna dig into context for just a little bit. Just talk about what were the implications of this story when Jesus is talking about this son with this father going, hey, I want my share of the land. That's, that's what I'm asking for, all right? It's my inheritance, give it to me. I had the privilege of um, spending time with some church planners from around the world this week. It was really cool. So part of my job is to work for Onward. We train church planners. I can tell you more about that later. Um, but two of the church planners are from Macedonia and Kenya, and they were in my teaching meeting. So every Thursday we had that teaching meeting where I give my teaching and they give me feedback. And uh, it was really cool because when I went to Africa, I noticed this. Uh, a lot of like the, the way that like, the culture is, like in the eastern part of the world, it's not, that's not all the way eastern, but you know what I'm saying? Um, it it kind of reminds you of New Testament living. And so it was really fun to like ask them, hey, what do you guys think about this teaching? Like, what do you think about the context of the story? And Sasha, in an accent that I can't do, is from Macedonia. Um, and Richard from Kenya, in another accent I can't do, so I won't try it. Both of them were like, where we're from, you don't ask your living father for inheritance, and if you do that, you're basically saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I would get mine. I would get what's coming to me. So let's just fast forward the process. Let's pretend you're dead. Give me what's mine. All right? So I want us to understand that culturally, contextually, this starts off pretty selfish and insulting. All right? The son comes to the father and goes, let's play a game that you're dead and give me what's mine. Okay? And I want us to see that in this scenario... This is gonna cost the son zero and cost the father, all right? This cost the father time. I don't know how much property the father had. Jesus doesn't give us those details, but it would cost him time to divide it all up to make sure he could get the son what was, quote, rightfully his. It also cost him resources, right? He's gonna give away a piece of his land a little sooner than he thought. It's also gonna cost him an employee of sorts, right? Assuming that the son worked on the land. So, uh, you know, he's gonna lose a worker. He's gonna have to figure out how to compensate for that. And then obviously, most importantly, it's gonna cost him his relationship with his son. Like, the son's going, give me what's mine. I don't care how long it needs to take. I don't know how you gotta replace me. You'll figure it out. Um, and also, like, do so. like, I'm out. Like, good riddance. If we're, if we're playing the pretend game that you're dead, I'm not planning on seeing you again. Later on, we're gonna read where it looks like he was gone for like years. He was gone for a minute. So I don't know that he was ever planning on returning home. So I want us to realize contextually what is happening here. The son is going, I am not worried about you financially, about you surveying this land, taking care of what's yours. I'm not worried about our relationship. Give me what's mine and I'm leaving, okay? So that's what's happening contextually. But I wanna talk about the deeper root here that I think God was like speaking to me this week. 
I think that the deeper thing happening here is the son is at a point in his life where he is just searching for fulfillment. Like he's, he's just searching on a heart level. He wants to go adventure. He wants to go figure out what's gonna settle this like shaky, hungry appetite in me. Like what is in the great beyond? Like what do I have to find? And there's a few things that I noticed in him. I'm just gonna get lost in the story a little bit. Um, first, I love, um, I don't know how to say the word. Is it naive, naivety? How, is that how you say it? Naivety, that's it, right? I always look to, if I ever ask about how a word, I always look to Cody because he always knows. Naivety, all right. I love the naivety here. One, he's like, I can take care of myself, right? He's like, I'm just gonna get my money and go to a distant land. Where's that distant land? I don't know, I got it. Dad, hand it over. I love that. What a sweet, young mindset. Like, that's so cute. Like, I'll take care of it, just give me mine. I'm gonna go and like do a startup and it's gonna work out and everyone's gonna donate and it's gonna be great, right? I'm gonna change the world. Beautiful. Secondly, I love how wide his eyes are on like the possessions of life. That's such a young thing. And it just kind of reminded me how much money's value changes as you get older. Like the values change, they get lower and lower as you grow up. I remember I was like, like five years old, six years old, something like that. And I was at Walmart with my dad and he was like, hey, you've got $5. I'll give you $5 you can spend. And I was like, just looking down at every aisle, what do I want with this $5? I go to the Hot Wheel aisle, and I look at all the cars, the Hot Wheels, and I'm like, I can literally buy all of this. Like, this is crazy. And literally, I stood there so long staring at the endless possibilities of Hot Wheels that my parents were like, you have to hurry. Like, I remember them telling me, pick it right now. Get the thing. I was like, all right, here we go. Like, my kingdom. I remember that. Like, $5 used to be a lot, Right? And like, as you get older, you're like, man, $1,000 is a ton of money. Like, whoa, what could I do with $1,000? Like, that is a lot of Mountain Dew and Xbox games. That's a ton of stuff, right? Then you buy a house and you're like, $1,000 is this meaningless. Like, it just barely gets me by anything. It just gets my foot in the door of paying utilities and whatever else. That'd be some expensive utilities. I was exaggerating. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's this moment where it's like, oh, man, all this stuff. And I just pictured this son. Like, what a sweet little guy. Just like give me my inheritance. And I'm sure when he got the inheritance, he was like, I rule the literal world. Like I've got all of this stuff, like the naivety and this is so good. And I also noticed the ambition in this too. Like we've all been there. Like this guy's ambitious, hasn't experienced enough of the world yet to know like how foolish he's being, but man, he's got ambition. Like, I don't know why he wanted to go to a distant land, why he needed all the resources to do it, but this guy is gunning for it. Some of you guys moved to Nashville with the same heart. Like, I, I know what I want, and I'm gonna move to a city, and I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna get it with everything I got. He's ambitious request when you've been provided for your whole life. <laughs> like, only when you've never struggled for food do you go, give me my inheritance, I'm gonna go somewhere else, I'm gonna take care of myself, I got it. Like, only when you've always had shelter every single day, you've never had to beg for a meal, you've never had to ask for anything, do you have the luxury of going, like, Give me what's mine, and I'm gonna go make a life for myself, right? This guy's just so amazingly, like, ignorance is bliss phase of life. Like, I, I just know it's gonna work out. But more than anything, I think where, where we resonate is he's asking this question of, like, what is out there? What more is out there? He's got that, like, city dog mentality. Like, I wanna see what's in the great beyond. And I think this is where... Um, this is where I think we will connect with him. In fact, this guy almost feels like he's from the future 
and he's like from America, right? Because he's in this place of like wealth. Like we're not, uh, most of us, if we're being honest, like in comparison to the rest of the world, we're not asking like, where's my next meal gonna come from? We're not asking like, oh man, where am I gonna stay tomorrow? A lot of us are not asking those questions. And so we have the luxury of more. We are so aware of more. There is so much more out there for this guy. He might have looked at a distant land and go, I've only heard rumors for us. We can go, no, I haven't heard rumors. I've seen it. Like as I've been scrolling, I see it out there. Like I see all the beautiful guys out there that I'm like, I know that I'm gonna find that knight in shining armor. They're everywhere, right? I see all the beautiful women. Like I will find the person that completes my story. I've just gotta keep, it's out there. Like I see all these successful business stories. I know that if I will do this thing and work my hardest, like I will work up this ladder and at one point I will find it. I will find fulfillment. Like I've seen West Elm's catalog and if I will get the right couch with the right paint, I will be content with this renovation project. The fulfillment is close. I've just gotta go looking. I feel like all of us can relate to that story of going like, There's more, and if I'll keep going, if I'll keep searching here, if I'll keep looking, I will find it. Like, I've already got 2,000 Spotify followers. The minute I get a million, I'll get there. I keep working, keep working, and one day, my heart will stop asking the question of what else is out there, because I'll have found it. Like, I'll have the fulfillment. That's where this guy's at. Like, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. Just give me what I got. Give me what's mine, and I, I will go find it. This is this quest for fulfillment. Does anyone relate to that feeling of, I will find it. One day, I'll find it, and I won't be thirsty for it anymore. I'll find this fulfillment. And anytime that we go chasing, anytime we go looking for this fulfillment, there's a period of time where it feels like we're correct in our search. We're right. We get these little glimpses, like, where it's like, no, I'm onto something. Like, I just got a little bit of what I think is gonna fulfill me. I got a little bit of it, and, and everything in me is saying, if I just get more of this thing, I will have accomplished it. Like, if I'll just keep going, there's a fun season in that. Like, I think when this, when this son gets the inheritance, goes to a distant country, and starts spending it on, on women, which I think is what his, brother's, his brother ices him later on, but the brother like outs his brother on what his brother's been doing. That was a lot of brother language. Hopefully you understand what I just said. We'll move on. But I think that in the season where this, this prodigal son, this guy is out there like blowing money at the club, like just hundreds, 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 I don't think the whole time he was like, man, I'm just empty. Like, I'm just, I'm empty. This is not, this is meaningless. This doesn't mean anything to me, right? I think there's a season when we're searching for fulfillment where it feels like we're actually onto something. Like you've been working at that company for seven years and finally, finally, your boss noticed you, gave you the promotion. You're like, I'm getting closer. It's coming, Finally, that house you were building, like you've got one more week, you're like, I'm getting closer. My fulfillment, it's coming. That girl you've been just like stalking in such a weird way for six years, she finally looks at you and goes, it's you. And you're like, oh my gosh, fulfillment's like right in my grasp, like it's coming. You know those moments where you're like, oh man, Vanderbilt, they accepted me. Like it's coming, the fulfillment I've been looking for, the more, it's almost here, it's almost coming, it's almost here. That promise of fulfillment and it feels close. There's a season for that. 
But then there's this heartbreaking part in this story that I think at some point in your life, in all of our lives, a parable like touches our life where it goes, the promises of fulfillment and all of these things that we find ourselves thinking, that's it. Once I get there, once that more finally gets into my hands, I'll find it, I'll have it. There's a moment where that gets totally exposed. I want you to read this. This is like, the timing of this is so heartbreaking. It says in verse 14, and when he had spent everything, watch the timing. Part one, he spent everything. Part two, simultaneously, a severe famine arose in that country. Isn't that how life goes? Like, man, you couldn't have spent everything in the rainiest season where there's just apple trees spouting up out of nowhere and you're like, it's all right, I don't got money, but like the Lord is giving me like abundance. Like, no, no, no. You spend all of it, you get to the bottom of the money barrel and all of a sudden there is no rain. Like it is a famine, it is a drought. You figure out after sleeping with someone weekend after weekend after weekend, after party after party after party, after promotion after promotion after promotion, after follower after follower after follower after date after date after date, you finally marry the person, you finally get the house, you finally get the job, and you find yourself completely empty handed. Like somehow you're like, wait, this is, wait, is this not, the, is it what happened? I thought it was in my hands, where, did, where is it? And man, this like powerful move of the enemy. Like this is where Satan who's real and demons who are real and spiritual warfare that is real just expose who they really are. They go, not only, not only is there not more, there's nothing for you here. Not only did you not increase, you've got nothing. Like it's gone. You were chasing the wind this whole time. Desert, you thought you saw a pool of water? No, just more sand, nothing. Not only was the grass not greener, there's no grass here. There's like, nothing for you. I was reading and that was hitting me hard. Like the enemy is so crafty. He's beautiful, he's perfect on sight. He's not in horns and pitchforks and you're like, gotta stay away from that guy. He cannot have good intentions with that pitchfork. Like, that's not Satan. Like, Satan is like, man, the promise of a life of luxury. Man, like, the, the, the way she smells, I gotta have more of her. Like, oh, man, no, if I get there, everyone will see me, and I'll have the power, and I'll have the control, and all these things, and you get there. You're on your deathbed, and you're like, what in the world? All of this? What happened? And right there, the enemy is completely exposed. You got nothing. Nothing happened. You chased nothing your whole life. And that's where this man is. He's like, whoa, all this stuff that was in my hands, all the Hot Wheels that I could see. Uh, actually, that story ended good. That was a good story. So never mind. I'm not, we're, we're leaving that out of this example. <laughs> I love those Hot Wheels. Um, but uh, all this stuff, is, and you just end up with nothing. It's just powerful. And then this is where this story just like, gripped me, just like boa constrictor status, just squeezed me so tight this week, in a, but in a good way. So not like a boa constrictor, um, like a friendly one. Uh, but uh, whatever that Jungle Book movie is. Um, focus, all right. This is where the story gripped me, because I want you to pay attention to the internal dialogue that this guy's about to start having. I want you to watch this. It's the sweetest most like heartbreaking conversation he begins to have. 
So he's at the pig pods, or he's at the pig pen, and I don't know what pig pods are, but we'll compare them to like kibble and bit, kibbles and bits, all right? So just imagine yourself, you're on the street, you got nowhere to go, and you're like, I'll go work at this dog pound, and then I'll beg them for kibbles and bits, and even they are like, no, you cannot eat the dog food, that's for the dogs. That is literally his situation. He hires himself out to work with pigs and goes, can I eat what the pigs have eaten? And he cannot get food in any way possible. So he's in this desperate moment of emptiness of famine. And he goes, light bulb, light bulb moment over his head. I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father. Because I remember even his servants that were in a position like mine now, they had plenty of bread to eat. But listen to this. He goes, when I get back to my father, because I know our situation has changed, I'll negotiate in my favor a demotion. Hey, Dad, hey, before, hold on, time out. I know, I know, I know, I'm sorry, yes, listen. I don't even know why I said Dad, sir. I'm not your son, I'm your servant. You don't even gotta do the thing that you and I both know you really wanna do right now. I'll just serve you, like, it's great. Like, that, this'll work. If I can eliminate the father and son relationship, me and you will be good, and I'll just have some food. Even in his return, he's a little selfish. He's like, I'm just hungry, so I'll just be your servant so I can get bread. That's my, that's my goal here. But as I was thinking about that, letting that like sink in, if he had had a friend in this moment, and he had told his friend this strategy, yeah, I'm gonna go home to my dad, I'm not your son anymore, I'm a servant. I wonder what his friend would have said. Wait, hold on, that's your dad. What do you mean? What do you mean? Can you not just like go home and like talk to your dad? Like, is that not, what, what's going on? I thought, what's underneath this? And I just like, I feel like the Lord was like showing me like the fear and the heartbreak in this son's life that as he sits there, unable to have access to pig pods to nourish him temporarily, he goes, I am not a son. That's definitely out. He doesn't even go, Plan A, son. Plan B, servant. No, he goes, plan A, all caps, neon sign, servant. That's what I am. I know that's true. I already know that. And then we'll pause the story. Step away from it. The Pharisees and the tax collectors hearing this story, they also know the story because Jesus isn't telling a brand new parable. In fact, he's telling a parable that rabbis had told before. Only in the parable that rabbis had told before, the son spends everything, comes back, and the father beats him and shames him, forever disgracing the family that way. And so as the Pharisees are listening to this story, you just picture them rubbing their hands together, licking their lips, side-eyeing the tax collectors like, this is your part. I never went off the property. Just wait. Wait till God gets his hand on you. Listen, it's coming. You know what's coming. We know what's coming. He's about to get beaten and shamed. We both know it. They've heard this story before. This is tradition. The tax collectors over here, they're side-eyeing the Pharisees, side-eyeing them, and they're like, I know, I know. It's coming. I get it. I'm not worth it. I understand. Let me listen to him, please. He's kind of not, you know, whatever. Everyone knows. The son in the story knows, the Pharisee knows, the tax collector knows, everybody knows this is about to be brutal. Not good, all right? Back in the story. Son, starts returning home, game plan in mind. He's went over the conversation, he's got it memorized, right? So he's walking back home. Just imagine this. He gets to a road that he's walked down a thousand times. He sees that tree that he and his brother climbed, his brother fell, he laughed, there was a fight. You know how it goes, like, 
That's what it is when you're siblings. He starts thinking, he sees houses he's seen. He remembers that one girl, he tried to hit on it. She was like, I'm not feeling that. He was like, all right, cool. Like, he sees that house, like, all right, well, I'm coming back for you one day, right? He thinks about di- dinner time. He thinks about dinners at the table with his family. Starts thinking about his dad, gets all nostalgic. Starts thinking about how he kind of misses his family and how it felt. But he's like, no, never mind. Back to rehearsing. You're a servant. Remember your role. That's how this goes. It says that as he's walking home, he sees his dad come out. Just, just think about this. You're walking and you know dad is about to like have it out with you. I remember one time I was driving my Jeep. I hit a mailbox with my side mirror, knocked it off. Didn't tell him for three weeks until I parked the wrong way and he saw it at the house. I parked strategically every day. And then the day I didn't, he saw like, what was the mirror about? And I remember the fear in me, like, okay, secret's out. Like, all right. I remember that moment. Like I'm being scared of my dad, right? And my dad was good to me, but I was still like, this ain't going to be good. Prodigal son's having more of that. All right. He gets home. He sees the home from a distance, sees his dad walk out. He's like, okay, <sighs> rehearse, rehearse, servant, sin against heaven, sin against you, father. Cool, cool. Watches his dad turn the head, spots him. All right, dad is now making eye contact with me from a distance. I can't really see his face, but I know this isn't good. And then all of a sudden, dad starts running. Like, dad running. At this time, it was undignified to run. So something's bad, right? I just imagine the son going, not only is dad mad, dad is sprinting at me. As a son here, servant, my fault, what do you do? Do you dodge it? Or does that just make it worse? You just let him tackle you? Like, this is about to get nasty. And as he's running, ugly running, like not, not pretty running, he's not an athletic dad. He's just running, you know what I'm saying, to get after his son. And the son's like looking at him like, I don't know if it's because I'm like famished, I need food, but I swear my dad looks happy right now. Like, maybe, I need my brother. Is this what he does when he gets mad now? Does he like laugh and smile? You're like, what's going on? This point of confusing him before the son can do anything about it. The father picks him up and kisses him on the cheek and like twirls him in a circle. Like, and he's just like, what is happening? I love this part. I love it. I love it so much because as he's getting hugged and kissed, the son goes, I don't know what's happening, but back to rehearsal. Dad, father, my fault, sir, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer your son. That's not the deal. I'm your servant. That's the deal. This is my favorite part of the story. The father blatantly, listen to this, the father blatantly disregards it. Jesus does, I know he does this on purpose. I know he tells it this way on purpose. When the son goes, here's the spill. The father goes, hold on, yep. Go get him a robe. Go get him a, (coughs) I'm parched. Hold on, (coughs) oh man. I've got to correct that for the 11. Note to self, drink water just before this moment. <laughs> All right, rewind, 10 seconds. All right, I'm your servant, blah, blah, blah. And the father, as the son's talking to him, he's like, what were you, oh, shut up. Hey, hey, get him the robe, get him ring, get him sandals, let's kill the calf. Like, son, I don't have time for you. Like, what are you saying out loud? You've come home. That's what's happened. We are not about to negotiate a demotion. Like we're not about to negotiate a shift in your identity. We're not about to have a a contract about what our relationship status has changed to. My son has come home. I have no time for this. We're throwing a party. Shh, we gotta throw a party for you. Stop interrupting. (laughs) Like this amazing moment. And just picture the Pharisees and the tax collectors as they're listening to a parable they've heard countless times and the ending has totally changed. Every piece of logic in their minds are just like, what 
just took place. This powerful moment where the son, the Pharisees, the tax collectors goes, no, when you run that far, when you're that ignorant, when you're that greedy, when you're that rebellious, you don't get to come home. And Jesus goes, not only do you get to come home, all of heaven throws a party and God brings out his best for you when you come home. That's how this goes. As I was reading the story this week, talking with some other teachers, I learned that prodigal, I looked this up this week, prodigal means to spend excessively, recklessly, to be irresponsible. And we hear about the prodigal son and we go, that makes sense. He got this inheritance. He blew it all. He was irresponsible. This story is far more about the prodigal father than is the prodigal son. The prodigal son took the resources he had, splurged them all, but the father twice gives everything to the son, splurges it, irresponsible. Everyone hearing this goes, that's irresponsible spending. When your rebellious son comes home and you give him all this stuff and then throw him a party, that's irresponsible. And the father goes, in a kingdom of endless resources, what is mine is always my child's. It is always yours, and I am never running short. The robe in that moment, Jesus says that on purpose, it demonstrates righteousness. That's what that robe is symbolic of. You know, we wear things, that, that we have brands on our clothes, they, they say things about us, like, oh, that's from Madewell. I didn't know they made men's clothes. That's, that's really nice. That says a lot about you, right? He goes, no, like, here's a robe of righteousness. Imagine the tattered and torn clothes that that robe covered. All of a sudden, the father's best was around his shoulders, like, this is who you are. He says, get him a ring. The ring signified inheritance. The son comes home ready to negotiate as a servant, knowing he splurged the whole inheritance. And the father goes, get him a ring. Let him know the inheritance is nowhere near empty. There is more for you. He says, get him sandals. Did you know that a master and a servant, the servant could not wear shoes in the presence of a master. And the son, probably from a night clubbing too hard, forgot where his shoes were, walks home, says, Father, here I am. I'm already postured to be your servant. I don't even got shoes. First things first, let's get your shoes, because you're my son. Let's get your shoes. He says, kill a cab, let's throw a party. I think some of you are here today and you're going, man, I'm, I'm in the father's home, I'm at the property, but I'm looking out wondering where's more? Or some of you are right in the middle of looking. You're working towards the next promotion, you're working towards the next EP, you're working towards getting accepted, you're working towards the next whatever it is. And some of you, you've already hit famine and right now you're in famine season and you're wondering how you could ever walk back into the presence of God, but you know the dynamic has shifted. Whenever you show back up, you're not showing up the same. Lies, not true. The Father, who is abundant, wealthy in resources, notably righteousness, grace, love, is anticipating your arrival. And he won't even wait for you to get on the steps. He's sprinting towards you to pick you up and to celebrate your return and I wonder this morning, who here goes, this is for me. I've gotten caught up in the mindset that goes, where can I go out here for more? Where will I find it? And you're right in the book of Ecclesiastes going like, it's nowhere. <laughs> like, it's nowhere. I've, I've tried it all. Like, I've done it all. I got nothing. And it's always been at home with the Father. And so I wonder this morning, if you hear this, and you've been contemplating your return, and you don't know what it looks like, I believe that God has given us this word today to just tell you to come home. Like, come home. 
I will satisfy you. Like you'll leave home looking for riches and you'll come home richer than you ever thought you could be. Like, I got you, come home. And so during this time of like worship and communion, I want us just to take some time to like talk to God. And if you're here going, I need to come home. Like when I'm home, but I've forgotten how good home is. (laughs) I've forgotten how good it is to have a guaranteed meal, guaranteed shelter, just this like default nature of just having grace and mercy and peace in my life, just knowing God. Or maybe I've run and I've forgotten how warm and open his invitation to come home is. I just want to invite you to talk to God today. Talk to him. Don't let this moment pass. Connect with the Lord. Maybe you're here and you go, I've never known the Father's house. Man, it is so open for you. There is a spot at the table. Your name's on it. Everyone's waiting. It'll be pumped when you show up. And I know it's all like metaphorical. I don't know how to get too, too practical except to say, talk to God today. But I'm like, no, I think I want to pray. Pray with someone you came with. I had a three-step thing that we were going to step into, but as I talk about it, I'm like, no, I think I want to invite us to talk to God on our own. If you want to pray with someone you came with, lock arms with them, pray with them, and let's just worship our faces off. Because when a son or daughter comes home, the father throws a party. That's you. That place of privilege is 110% yours. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go get communion. Let's take it together. That seems right to me. Is that cool? We'll take it together as a church. We're just gonna celebrate that Jesus has made a way for us to come home. And we're gonna worship. And if at any point you wanna pray with someone, come to the back. I'll be back there. Cody, Matt, we're back there. Uh, Please come pray with us. If you need to pray to God instead of sing, sit at your chair, go to the back, go outside, whatever you need to do, but just talk to the Lord and come home. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for um, this story God, I just want to, yeah, Holy Spirit, will you just do it? Only you can do. Make it clear how for people you are, how excited you are to welcome home someone. God, will you help the one that is straight, that has went far, that has looked for in dating, in jobs, in career, and whatever it is, like whatever the thing is that we keep thinking, oh, that's going to do it. Once I get that, I'm good. We help us to come home into your presence, knowing that only your Holy Spirit, only, only presence, God, only your relationship fulfills us. It's the only thing that never runs out, ever. So God, will you help us to put our eyes on you? In Jesus' name, amen.